0: Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast, brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20, you'll save 20% off your entire purchase of CBD infused. Deliciously rich and potentially life-altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host. Drew Creasman. I'm the managing editor of DNBR Rockies. Winnie, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. But enough about us. None of that matters. We have got a, a very special guest for you. The man who threw the single best season in Colorado Rockies history. If you're looking at the advanced metrics or really kind of almost regardless of what numbers you're looking at. Very excited to have joining the show, Mr. Marvin Freeman
1: how's it going you guys got me can you hear me pretty good Sounding oh, great. yep fantastic Sounding great. I'm okay so i'm um i'm in between um pitching sessions i got a team out here now so thought i'd jump in here and give you guys a little bit of love you know
2: appreciate Will it yeah that's probably a good here. spot to that's probably a good spot to start off, the, the Marvin Freeman Youth Foundation uh, that you've got going. I, I know that's a big passion project of yours. You, you even got Marvin Freeman Field out here in Denver, uh, a nice little ball field uh, named after you. But but tell, tell everyone what you're doing on uh, in your neck of the woods with youth sports, particularly baseball.
1: Well, you know, I'm all over the place now. I'm out here in Atlanta, um, back where I started with the Braves, and just have a real good connection in this community with the youth um they actually still their parents still remember me so kind of gives me a little bit of um legitimacy when I'm doing these um pitching camps and clinics but at the same time it gives me an opportunity to help a lot of these kids that are um underserved that doesn't have that elite um, training or the ability to get to the next level just because they don't have the information so just giving them the information and making sure that they get the same um, advantages as some of the kids that may not have as much talent, but have the the, um, resources. So just trying to provide resources for today's youth. You know,
0: that's something that became much more of a talking point out here in the last year with Ian Desmond stepping aside and of course, uh, a renewed conversation about the Black Lives Matter movement and all of that. And so, you know, do you feel like Baseball is making those positive strides forward. Uh, you're doing your part, obviously, out there. Would you like to see you know, more effort given to that so that there are more kids across the nation who will have those resources that
1: you're talking about? Yeah, you know, but it starts one person at a time. You know, we can always say what we wish somebody else was doing, but if nobody's doing anything, nothing gets done. So I just try and touch as many as I can maybe be an influence on one or two at the minimum. And then that way I can at least say that I've left a, um, a, a mark on on, on on what I know, because you, you can't take this information with you.
2: That's right. You had, you had an interesting tweet today. I think that kind of highlights what's going on in the game of baseball and why we're losing so many really fantastic athletes uh in, in baseball to other sports because uh back in our day and 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 we're not we're not you know young spring chickens ourselves either but you know the coach all the equipment for the team came in one bag and you all you had was a glove you know your cleat and you might not have even owned a bat you there might have been a team bat and nowadays if you're not you know investing quote unquote you know a thousand dollars so just for the equipment and yes for all the traveling then you can easily get overlooked. And it's it's uh, it's a game of have-and-have-nots in a lot of ways. How, how much have you noticed that e-sports e- kind of become this multi-million-dollar industry in the last couple of decades?
1: Well, you know, the, like I said in my tweet today, I said it's not the kid's fault. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the parents always say, well, I want my kid to have it better than I had it when I was growing up. But what was so wrong with the way we had it? I mean, we turned out OK. Um, I had one glove for Little League all the way up through high school and, and college. I still got the same glove. And if you look on it, Ooh. when I had when I was in high school, I wrote my wife's name in the middle of my glove. She was my girlfriend then. But I show her that all the time. I say, now, this is some dedication right here. I took you to the field with me then. I'm still taking you to the field with me now. So I mean. Um, it's not, I always tell guys, you can't buy a game. You know, guys want to have mm. their swag. They want to be swagged out. And, you know, that costs, you know. So if you can afford to do it, fine. But that only puts pressure on the kids that don't have these things, that may want these things. And then they go home and feel like since they get they can't get these things like everyone else on the team, they need to go somewhere and play something else. And we see a lot of fall off in youth baseball, especially in the um, black community at 13, 14 years old, because once you get to high school, you know, baseball speeds up. It gets tougher. And these guys aren't getting that winter training, and they're not getting that off-season stuff that everybody else is doing. So the game kind of gets a little bit fast, and it passes them up. So they go somewhere where it's five guys and one basketball or, you know, 22 guys in the football, so you don't need to have yeah. a lot of um, money to train. If you if you're just playing baseball, then you know sometimes you price yourself out of the game.
0: Yeah.
1: I gotta know. So let's who, take your,
0: oh, go ahead, who, it. Oh ahead. One in. last
1: question:
2: Who was on your mitt? So uh, so when I was a kid growing up, mine was a George Brett model.
1: Who did you who, uh, did you have a player on yours? No, I had the um, Wilson A2000. They didn't put names in those. I guess Wilson was the name they put (laughs) in. It was supposed to be like the best glove on the market. And my parents told me, hey, make this glove last forever. And I was like, all right. So I still have it. So I guess I kept my word on that. There There you go.
0: fantastic. Well, we do got to take you back in time, but leave where you are in Atlanta because before your story in Colorado could start, you were uh, a member of a legendary rotation, and you guys were out there doing some interesting, special things in Atlanta. What are some of the first things that come to your mind
1: remembering your time with the Braves? Uh, winning. We we won every year. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yep. So, you know, We went to the park every day. Everybody was in a good mood all the time. Um, You know, I think out of my four years here, every year we went to the playoffs. Um, Having that attitude brought, you know, continuity in the clubhouse. There was no clicks where one group was hating on another group. Everybody got along. Um, Winning was new to the city then. So the fans came out and supported, you know, baseball in a way that um, only winning will. But when I did leave um, Atlanta came and going to Colorado, when we first played the Rockies in 93, coming over to uh, Mile High Stadium and seeing the kind of reception that the fans were giving players and stadiums packed with 70, 80,000 people because it was an old football field. And I was like, man, I, I got to come here, man. These guys love it here. Not knowing that it was a pitcher's nightmare to come and pitch in Colorado. <laughs> But um, hey, I I was um I was uh, interested in that energy, and I knew the Rockies were an upstart team, and I wanted to be a part of them building something that was where you know where it is today.
2: Yeah, and with like a lot of successful ball clubs, anytime you've got expansion, you know teams will try to pluck from the best. So you know they eventually got yourself. You know Dale Murphy started out as an original Rocky man behind the scenes. We all know and love Paul Egan's came over from Atlanta as well, but. You know, when you were with Atlanta and you were winning, how much of a, a treat was it where three out of five days, the man on the bump that day starting the game for Atlanta was a Hall of Famer? You know, again, we're talking about Maddox, Clavin, Smoltz. How much of a treat was that?
1: It was a it was a humongous treat, especially if you were a relief pitcher. Um, <laughs> I, I always said we had the best seats in the house for every game. We had Steve mm-hmm. Avery, he went, eight, he went 18 and six. He was like a 19-year-old uh, kid. And uh, Charlie Leibrandt won 15 games that year, too. So every night out, somebody was going six, seven, eight, maybe nine innings. And then the nights that Greg Maddox pitched, we just kept our um, street clothes on under our <laughs> uniform. I mean, <laughs> we just uh, take the uniform <laughs> off and go, go to the car. We didn't even have to shower. So I mean, it was um, two hours. The game was over with, and we were back in the car. So, just watching those guys um, go out there and do their work was incredible. We we did have two Cy Young Award winners in Doug- I mean, in the in the bullpen with Steve Bedrosian and Mark Davis. So we had five Cy Young Award winners on the team at one time. And if you're a pitcher and you can't learn anything with that staff around you, you're a complete numbskull. So, you know, it was always um, a learning experience, learning from some guys that that were successful and just trying to emulate some of the things that they did because, you know, if they're doing it and it's working for them, you try it. If it works for you, you can. Well, you said, you know, you didn't know the, the pitching nightmare
0: that Colorado would become, but you wouldn't know it based on your first season out here. You know, how much of that was taking those lessons guys, the energy of the crowd, maybe it just being new and not knowing what to expect and how much of that was just, you were, you were in the zone, man, you had it going, right?
1: Well, you know, like I said, when I first left Atlanta, I had been like studying Maddox and Glavin, studying their bullpens, seeing some of the things they did differently from what I did. It was always preparation with them. But for me, a bullpen was like, let me see if I can knock the catcher down, you know? And Mm -hmm. so, When I learned that they were out there trying to work on acquiring a field, trying to repeat a delivery, trying to keep the ball down, trying to make, you know, different pitches do different things, I brought that approach to me to Colorado, and I kept it simple. I think my first year in Colorado, I tried to just imitate what Greg Maddox did, throw strike one, sink the ball, get ahead with your breaking pitch, make sure you work fast and try and get guys out on three pitches or less. That formula worked great. Then we moved to Coors Field. Coors Field was a little different from Mile High Stadium in the fact that Coors Field was like um, everywhere in that park, it'll go out. And Mile High, it was like 440 to right center. So you can kind of pitch to that bar- part of the ballpark, um, you pitch right-handed hitters away trying to encourage them to either roll over on something or go the other way with it. You had some some uh, area to work with out there. But then you get to mile high. I mean, of course, field, it was like arena baseball. I mean, you leave it up, it's going out. I don't care what direction it gets hit in. A pop-up, the pitcher is cringing. He's, like, holding his breath. And we didn't have no humidor back then. So the balls were all like Super Bowls. And, um, you know, it was just – it was hard on pitching because pitchers had to do so much to keep the ball down, and they, they tried to do too much in keeping it down, and that's when they ended up making more mistakes. So, just the differences in the ballpark maybe have two different approaches, and um, you know there was no bailout area in Coors Field, and I think at um, Mile High Stadium I was able to you, you know pretty much utilize areas in the field that was going to make me successful.
0: That's, yeah, that's really fascinating to hear about from that perspective. Like you said, they have done the humidor. Now they've got that fence out there. The, the guys call it the bright itch Barrier they put in right center field, where I think a lot of those kind of wind tunnel home runs oh, would go out. Oh, definitely,
1: definitely a wind tunnel, definitely.
0: Uh, are there other ballparks that compare to the oddness of it, or is it head and shoulders just the strangest place to pitch?
1: Well, it's, it's not so, so much as it's just strange to pitch there. It's just that the ball carries a little bit better. So you can make a mistake in another ballpark, and it'll be at the warning track. Well, not what I saw this year. Every ballpark, balls are flying out like it's – I mean, I've never seen so many 450-foot home runs in my life. So I start thinking maybe some of these balls might have a little rabbit in it. So, you know, just being um, – the fact that um, baseball is really promoting offense. Um, the balls may be wound a little bit tighter, but, um, you know, Denver, you're going to still get that little um, 7% less um, distance. You have to hit it just because of the a- the uh, altitude.
0: Right. Um, the the last one that I have for you here, and it looks like Patrick may be having some internet issues, but was really about, you know, how much pride do you take in that year? But then Cy Young, come on, what's going on there? That, come on, what's it, what happened? I like, but, but just center, seriously though, the, that season that you were, especially now in hindsight, because at the time we had two years of Rockies baseball, you had a great year. Uh, you're feeling great about it. You know, we didn't know what to come, but now we've had 28 years of Rockies baseball. And by some of the metrics you were 10 or 13% better that year than any starting pitcher has managed to be since. So uh, do you take a certain amount of special pride in what you were able to com- accomplish, even now, like in, with hindsight in 1994?
1: Uh, most definitely, man. Um, I remember when Freeland was going for the um, title a couple years mm-hmm. ago. I was following that, like you know, like give up a run but win the game. Give up a run. So I, get it, just get it up, just get it up over 2.80, and I don't care how you do. But um, yeah, I, um, it's something I still brag about, man. Um, it's a feather that you you, you have in your hat, And they always say, when you get my age, you're going to look back on your career and then appreciate it more. Well, I'm at that point now where I can look back on things and say, well, I did this. It's still standing. And, you know, I, I'm still trying to hang on to it as long as possible. But, yeah, you know, if you, you got something that you did, you want to hold on to it as long as you can. So uh, I, I get a thrill out of um, following the Rockies' pitchers. And making sure that nobody gets close to that record, so it's, it's still all fun for me.
0: Since oh, it does look like Patrick's coming back in. I was gonna maybe steal his final question. I was, and I don't want to put him on the spot. I was gonna ask him about the Rockies Hall of Fame, Patrick. It's something we've talked about. uh You know, they're they're finally making a Rockies Hall of Fame out here. They got McGregor <laughs> Square across from the park. Is that something that would mean something to you without being an honor? Would you would you very much like to see your name enshrined in the Colorado Rockies Hall of
1: Fame? Well, who, who would say no to that? I mean, um, <laughs> at the same time, though, I wouldn't I wouldn't be at the house crying and sitting up, anticipating getting in there. But yeah, I mean, it would be a great honor, um, even if it was the Hall of Fame for that one season. I, you know, I, I would love to be part of the team's history because, again. If I've done something that nobody else has done before, then that makes me a standout. So you put standouts in, in the museum and, you know, I, I'm, I'm a relic in my own right. So um, I would love to um, say that I'm part of the Rockies Hall of Fame. Um, even consideration for that would be an honorary thing. So, I mean, yeah, it would, it, it would be exciting for me and everybody that knows me.
2: It, I want to see you in an old timers' day game because I think you still got it. Uh, but I want to know who you want to go against. Who, if you got three pitches left in you, who do you want to what face? You what what you mean? What you mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. Just that's <got done. laughs> I'm, just, it's I'm like still I'm hid- bro. <laughs> I'm still 85 with movement, man. I mean, I, I got these kids that uh, they like coach. I can't believe you're 57 with that type. I said, well, Satchel was 59 when he came up. And so, I mean, hey, I still got two more years before my rookie year is over with. So, um, yeah, I, I would like to face um, Dante Bichette because I love when he goes deep and he does his little shucky-ducky. And I, I would like to see that again. I'd like to see Big Cat hit one over the um, out over, over those restaurants out in left field off me. And, of course, Larry Walker. Larry Walker can probably go over the stadium right now. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've been playing in um, – these, we call them legends games now, not old timer. Okay. I like that. Legend, <laughs> legend. That's much better. Hey, hey <laughs> so, do you, do you, real quick. Do you
2: want to share the story of your first
1: win? Because it wasn't just about your first win. Is that right? Oh, my first major league win was um incredible. um I was with the Phillies and um my wife was like due any day to have the baby and she knew I was pitching on a certain day, so she didn't call me when she went into labor. And um, I found out in the fourth inning, I was facing the Mets in 86. Daryl Strawberry got the only hit off me. It was a one-hitter. Went seven innings, a one-hit ball for the win. And my daughter was born in the fourth inning of that game. So I was delivering. My wife was delivering. Everybody <laughs> was delivering. And it's on the back of one of my baseball cards. And um, every time, September twenty First nineteen eighty six comes up, I go to my daughter and I say, Hey, you know what today is? It's the anniversary of my first big league win. And <laughs> and it always pokes her. She's always like, Okay, daddy, yeah, happy birthday to me too. So, you know, it's it's two and one, man. I got married on Christmas Eve and um, you know, so I I I kind of grew things together. That way I don't have to remember a lot of stuff. So that's how that worked out. But it was a it was probably the best day I ever had in baseball. Wow!
0: All right. Well, this is one of the best days we've ever had on this podcast. No joke. It has been an absolute treat to have you. We'll have to get you back. We're going to launch the official Marvin Freeman for Rockies Hall of Fame campaign. So when that's picking up steam, we'll get you back on uh, to deliver the commencement address. It'll be fantastic.
1: Sounds spectacular. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime you want me and we talking baseball, I'm your man. Thank All right, so we'll be in Thank you.
0: Thank you so you much. Great. You guys take care. All righty. You Thank you. Uh, so wow. good. So wow. good. Uh, there is a – I just had a weird random scene from the West Wing flash in my mind where the president is like called the Butterball Hotline or something. He's done some like ridiculous thing, and he just finishes <laughs> it. And with such extreme joy, he just goes – that was fantastic. We should do that once a week, and that's that's how that's how I feel right now. Like, why, why isn't Marvin Freeman just on this show every week? Oh, well, he's got stuff to do. But yeah, well, that was that was absolutely awesome. Uh, it sounds like he would be down to talk baseball with us again sometimes. But we will do everything we can to make that happen.
2: Yeah, he you know he's Ooh. any anybody who sticks around in the, in the bigs for you know just, even just a handful of seasons, you know they're going to have those fantastic stories again your your first win not only does it come against the, the inevitable world series champs in the 86 mets but your daughter's born on that day which is just you know so fantastic of course you know playing at uh, i wanted to ask him about you know fulton county stadium in atlanta was dubbed the launching pad because you know it sits at about a little over a thousand feet above sea level oh my <laughs> god those balls and then coming to, you know, mile high and then Coors Field and seeing the difference in that, it's, you know, obviously a, a night and day thing. And, uh, and I don't know if you you were able to touch on it while I was out, but this idea that, how, you know, it was obviously a, an extreme disadvantage mm-hmm. to, to now no longer able to, you know, just to pitch away to right-handed hitters. Because now that ball is going over, right. you know, the right center fence where the brightish barrier is now, but while that's obviously a disadvantage for the pitchers, uh, in the Rockies organization in, in 95 and, and and thereafter, the hitters didn't feel that way. You know, that was something that, you know, Bichette and all the Blake street bombers said, okay, that's great. But you know, we, we know that it's going to play to our advantage too. So, Hey, if, if, if our, if our pitcher can essentially, you know, do, do, uh, Back then, it was the the Coors Field quality start was more like you did actually get <laughs> six innings out of your starter, but he was giving up five runs. Hey, that's a quality start. And it almost I mean, didn't matter
0: the run total, right? If you right. got through that sixth, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks, man. Exactly. But, yeah. If yeah. you were only
2: down a touchdown uh, uh, at the end of the sixth inning, the Bro- Blake Street Bombers were like, okay, we got this. We got it right where we want. A couple. of Run this cycles.
0: thing, yeah. We run home on Grand. The- let's let's go. Totally. Totally. So uh, yes, indeed. Will and Liam, that was fun. Liam, sorry. We didn't get the shout out right away on your earlier one and, and will that we didn't get to your question. I assure you, we didn't get to all of ours either. It is it is imperative that we have them back. You had a tight window today, but uh, we appreciate it. We, we extended it even as long as we could there. And uh, we will do more of the Rockies all-time home run Derby. Thanks for reaching out and, and appreciating that fun and, Mostly pretty ridiculous content, but we enjoy doing it, so we're glad you enjoy doing it. We are going to toast our Breckenridge brews on this day. I've got the Avalanche Amber that I was enjoying throughout that. Of course, Patrick still got the Strava Craft Coffee going, and we are toasting them to the career of Marvin Freeman. Uh, You know, I thought we might have a few minutes to get all this out of the way before he hopped in, but... Uh, he was on top of it, man. He was ready to go. He came out of the bullpen fired. He wasn't mm-hmm. waiting for any of that stuff. He, he was re- he was dialed up to ninety six, ninety seven out of the bullpen right away. Uh, really appreciate that out of him. So, actually, let me do this really quick because as fun as that was, almost as fun almost as fun as playing wgt golf look i don't want to oversell it i got to be honest with you it's a great product not quite as fun as hanging out with marvin freeman but it's like second on the list so download it for free today at dnvrgolf.com and starting this friday the 11th through the 13th that's sunday we will be hosting the ball is popping classic at brandon dunes all country clubs can participate and better yet anyone can win that's right all you have to do is join the dnvr4 country club if you haven't played head to Brandon Dune's golf course, enter to win the closest to the whole challenge. Submit your screenshot on our pin Twitter thread at DNVR underscore sports, or email them to info at the Once you have entered to win, we will choose a random winner each week, pick out a DNVR shirt of your choice and a mask, and we ship it right to you. We're hosting new courses every week leading up to Christmas, picking those winners on monday so again it's brandon dunes closest to the hole for this weekend go there send us your screenshot you're in bam you don't even have to be good you can come in dead last and still win a free dnvr shirt and mask and again this is for playing a fun free game on your phone or computer downloaded at dnvrgolf.com um well I feel real quick. I, go ahead, well go I feel
2: bad that Cale didn't get a chance to ask his big question because I know he has so many Marvin Freeman memories from that ninety-five season. Uh, Hello. actually Hello. Kale... Quick
3: after quick 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 question. What year do you think I was born? Just off the top of your head.
2: Oh, oh yeah. so, I mean, gosh. Um you would have been at least what negative four or five in ninety five, something like that. Oh.
0: I'm not. You're quite a 90, right? You're
2: negative.
3: No, no, I'm like such a baby, Drew.
2: You're negative. You're even um, negative yeah. one, right?
3: I was born in '97, so I would have been negative two. Negative oh, two.
2: So what do you remember then? So, all right, that's fine. You still have memories at that age. I believe so you were just a soul, just kind of traversing the universe, floating in orbit before you inhibited
0: uh, two years yeah. after the Doctor sure shut. Oh my God!
2: Yeah.
3: So I. Uh, so I did ask my dad about Marvin Freeman since he was okay. in the pod, um, and he just talked about how awesome that one year was. My dad's been a season ticket holder for most of uh, most of my life since opening day um, in '94. So he uh, has watched a lot of not great pitchers coming in and out, and all he had to say was, "Man, there really was only that one year, but boy was he filthy that year!" Like. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so good. Yeah. So, so his final season uh in the bigs, uh, he, he did uh I know go to spring training as a non-roster invite with Toronto you in 97. Seven
0: I like that. 96.
2: 96 was his final season. So uh yeah, he, he he finished his career and then Kale in ninety-seven began his career. So um know, there's some yeah, there's some <laughs> symmetry in that. I don't know what that means exactly, but probably you had some questions, um, though, too. Let's
0: didn't run you, through you said, right? it, right? Really yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there, were, there was a lot more stuff I, I wanted to get into there. And, you know, th- there's a lot of stuff that I could have picked his brain all day about the nuances all of day. pitching at altitude and mile high versus Coors Field. That was a question I was asked that he basically took without uh, yeah. me asking it. He jumped right into the differences between those two things. Like, fantastic. Can check that one off. So, um, and then, obviously, I mean, I, I just wish we had time to just hear stories. That's the one thing I think next time we have them on, we almost have to have two questions about stuff, and then the rest of them just have to be, tell us about this guy. Do you remember what? what what's yeah. the weirdest thing you and Kenny Castilla ever got up to? Like, I'm sure there was something. There's no way. Yep. Yeah, totally. And just let him riff, because that'll be fun. Uh, for those of you looking for a few facts, for those of you born in 19... 19- 97 and later who aren't entirely who who I hope thoroughly enjoyed that conversation, but would like a little more context for it. Uh, Marvin Freeman was drafted in the second round by the Philadelphia Phillies in 1984, made his major league debut in 1986 for the Phillies. Uh, As you heard him say though, he feels like he more or less started out with Atlanta. That's where he really started getting uh, stuff going. Uh, He had, he had a great debut, really 16 innings pitched for the Phillies that first year, Uh, At age 23, to a 225 ERA. Atlanta in a trade for, what was the guy's name? Joe? Uh, I found it. Where was it? Um, Joe Bover, who had a very Marvin Freeman-like career. Yeah. Uh, A bit of a journeyman, but stuck around for a long time because he proved himself to be valuable to a lot of different teams. Not unlike uh marvin freeman uh, he ended up with slightly better era and era plus than a, a slightly higher career war uh, so yeah then as we talked about there he spent the next three years in atlanta team out there before moving to colorado uh being claimed pretty much right after the season in fact he became a free agent on October 20, signed by the Rockies on October 28th. Those were the days <laughs> Remember when a season would just end and the team would go out and sign a pitcher. Um, and then comes really the big thing, the feather and the cap year, the 1994 campaign, where he led the league in winning percentage, 833 by going 10 and two, put up a raw ERA of 280, like he talked about there, over 112 innings. And that 179 ERA plus, which adjusts for the fact that he pitched at a pre-humidor mile-high stadium in—I'll call it an offensive era.
2: It was pre-p. It was pre the official start of PEDs. We obviously know in '98 with McGuire and Sosa, full-on hardcore PEDs probably started a couple years before that. Was it '95? Yeah, probably. But uh, nevertheless, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that makes it all the more impressive, right? And it, it, it makes it all the more phenomenal. And here's another thing that makes what he did so phenomenal: he was not picked up to be a starting pitcher with the Rockies right. in '95. He only got the opportunity when Kent Bottenfeld, I think he uh, what he he broke his arm or something like that. But um, he he broke his hand in spring training, so he wasn't even you know supposed to be on that on that you know, club in in that spot. He was just going to be another guy in the bullpen, you know, because he'd been very uh, serviceable in that role. And then, yeah, goes out and has, you know, this, this epic season, ties for fourth in the Cy Young Award. Now, th- the thing that I want to point out, and I, again, if, depending on how much time we would have had, I don't know if I would have totally thrown this on him, but I found what appeared to be his four worst starts of that year. And they're not even remotely – all that bad. Like it's not good, yeah. but you go, hey, didn't have his stuff today. But we've seen, you know, the number five starter in the Rockies rotation in the last couple of years. You go, I, ooh, that's a good day for some of those guys. So <laughs> didn't have yeah. stuff
0: today means couldn't get out of the first inning.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think his second start uh, at Mile High, four innings pitched, three earned runs. Okay, not so bad. Again, this is one of his four worst starts. Then he's got seven innings against the Mets, again, at mile high, gave up four earned runs. So, oh, no, he doesn't get the, the official quality <laughs> start. Then uh, against anytime. the Dodgers, yeah, in, in at Chavez Ravine, five and two-thirds innings pitched. He gives up, can you believe it, three earned runs. Oh, my God. Wow. His ERA balloons yes. to 3.04. Uh, and then uh, his, his next start out against the Giants at home, only went two innings. Gave up two runs. So, you know, could have been somewhat of a of an injury issue there. Uh, don't know the the back details of it. But you go, those are his four worst. So he didn't have one of those, you know, three innings and six earned runs. And you go, that's ah, not his day to totally blow up and inflate during a time in which those occurrences happen all, the time, all the, time, the time. Where in the blink of an eye, you give up a, a grand slam and you're like, there was nobody on base. How did that even happen? I <laughs> <laughs> my my precision is on point. I'm not walking anybody, and yet I just gave up, you know, a grand slam to Steve Finley. Like that was what happened during that era,
0: right? Oh man, yeah, it it, it really is amazing. So that 179, as I said, is it's 13 points higher than Kyle Freeland's 166 yeah. in 2018, and obviously even still higher than Ubaldo Jimenez's 161 in 2010. It is uh, a mark going to be very difficult to see another starting pitcher match up with that uh it it really was and some of that may just be you know the environments and and all of that but Mm -hmm. that's uh that is a substantial it's not that he's got the best era plus in team history but who is it what was the thing we did oh the other the other day when it was dick allen had the 199 and then mike Trout had the 198 right where with those stats that's a tie (laughs) But 179 to 166, that's not a tie. That's not even close to being a tie. That's, this guy was just better. And that's, that's pretty phenomenal to think that we're still searching for the next Marvin Freeman. And if you want another way
2: of kind of evaluating that, if you go back to that uh, 94 season, so he ties for fourth in uh, NL Cy Young award voting. And all right, if you go by war, yeah, War wasn't very nice, you know, that nice to him. He he finished about his fourth best uh wins above replacement of a starting pitcher. But if you look at ERA Plus, he was actually second among vote getters. Only Greg Maddox was better with oh, yep. you know, a 271 ERA plus in the beginning of what was eventually going to become the steroid era. So, you know, Freeman was second, 179 right there. So by that metric that's another way of saying, hey, this is the best season of all time. Look around the league. Compare him with those guys. It's pretty damn good.
0: Uh, yeah, that's that's really, really, really quality stuff. Uh, he would pitch the next couple of seasons for Colorado, uh, 95 and most of 96. would quite uh, recapture the magic as he had had before, though in 95, the era plus of 91. While obviously, you know, nowhere,
2: yeah, for Freeman, uh, one of the few guys who actually was able to pitch for the Rockies in both Mile High Stadium, uh, which was previously Bear Stadium. You know, not many people, uh, I didn't remember it because, again, much like Kale, I wasn't alive when it happened, so technically, I'm not remembering it, but. Uh, what many people don't know is that mile high, the original mile high stadium was actually bear stadium where the Denver bears uh, played baseball. And then they, you know, they, they fitted it out for, for football. So uh, Freeman was one of those few guys who, who pitched uh, again, 94 at mile high also got to see what, what Coors field is like. And, uh, and maybe as he said, you know, if he pitches uh, on a legends day, I hadn't heard that. I do. I do like that from the player's perspective, but you know, again, yeah, going man. to having Dog <laughs> an old timers day at Yankee Stadium and, and, and always watching that. That was always must see TV where, you know, the the first pitch might be four oh five for the Yankees, you know, that evening, but at at noon you go and you watch and you see all the old timers come out. You know, they they play for two innings tops and it's just cool to see them and they're miked up on the field too, throwing junk and you go, Oh my god, Goose Gossage from Colorado Springs you know, he's 56 years old. He's still bringing it at, you know, mid to low 80s, much like Marvin Freeman can still do. So, uh, and, yeah. you know, it would really be cool. We've, talk, we've, talk, we've talked about it in jest here on the show, but it would be cool if there was some kind of Legends League where you could see that. You know, again, it might not be as exciting as the big three, you know, for these, these uh, older or more legendary basketball players, but there's got to be a, a creative way where you can still see Ricky Henderson being Ricky Henderson, talking about Ricky Henderson and being the best Ricky Henderson, Ricky Henderson can be like, I think. We're all <laughs> right, right. If my who, people who are lining up right. for an exhibition between Tyson and Roy Jones jr. Come on, Ricky Hendy
0: to quote Marvin Freeman from earlier in this episode of this podcast, <laughs> who wouldn't want to see that? Who doesn't want to see Marvin Freeman in the Rockies hall of fame? Who don't want to see Ricky Henderson being Ricky Henderson? Give us what we need. Ricky Henderson wants to see Ricky Henderson. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, who's at the top of that list? You know, who's number one on the list of guys who wants to see that?
2: 100%. Uh, and, and speaking of flashy Ricky Henderson type players, I did want to know if, you know, Marvin had any good Deion Sanders stories because that was, yeah. uh, for one reason or another, that was my guy growing up as a kid. And I've still yet, in all my my years of, of uh, recollecting stories and you know, swapping tales of, uh, of of childhood heroes. No one else has ever just had Dion as their favorite player. Everyone goes, "Oh yeah, great athlete, Love him, fantastic, loved watching him, root for him." But no one had twelve posters up in their room. And no one had all his baseball and football cards.
0: Right, and so no I'm one, no sure one, football people were were there. But very, sure, few oh, I'm sure baseball, right, yeah. obviously. Because in case anyone's confused, is all that Deion Sanders stuff. Like, yeah, but it was him playing football, wasn't it?
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, and you know he never stuck around for a long time. You know he, he spent a lot. In fact, came up with the Yankees, um, but you know spent a lot of time with Atlanta. Then right. then a, uh, a few seasons uh, where he went back and Cincinnati. forth with, with Cincinnati. That's right. Uh, even a yeah. little bit with, the, with San Francisco. And then football after Atlanta, yeah. you know he went to went to San Francisco. then Went to Dallas. Went back to back super bowls and was kind of bounced around retired came back hall of fame uh football player so that would have been cool you remember those I commercials i can only think of one that he had i think it was for his sneakers which i did have to have and that was one of the the only like sneakers i had to have was was the dion
0: uh diamond yeah. turf i think they were called is that I it he was wearing like a jumpsuit I can't remember the product. I can't remember what they were selling or what it was about, but it was people kept coming to him and, and trying to get him to choose between things. And so first mm-hmm. it was, you know, offense or defense in football. And he would say, <laughs> both. you know, there's, well, football or baseball. That's good. And say both. And then it was, and so whatever the product was, I'm sure it was something they where they put two things together or it was like chocolate oh, yeah. or peanut butter. Both, you know, but that, that was the punchline. But that is answer to every one of them, which is like, I'm gonna do all that. And that's who he was, man. Like, he really he's such an underrated baseball player. We have to do this on the pod sometime. Have we done this? Who cares? We'll do it again. Uh, just the best multi because Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders are underrated as baseball players, but more Sanders because people fondly remember Bo Jackson as this super. You, right? athlete. Was an all star, you know, Bo was an right. all star, yeah. But like, Deion Sanders, I think the average baseball fan, if you went to his fan graphs or baseball reference page right now, and you should be honest with yourself, if you're saying like he, he could hit and that's ridiculous that a guy who's an athlete like that could hit that he could field and run the bases and do all the other things. Sure. But hitting a baseball is just a mechanical skill. Unlike anything else. And Dion was not a terrible hitter. And that like almost breaks my brain. We didn't mention him as being an alien yesterday. Maybe it was too obvious.
2: Yeah. Him, Kyler Murray, Bo Jackson, those guys. Well, the thing with with Dion, too, talk about being a good hitter and maybe being overlooked. Had Atlanta won the World Series against Toronto in 92, you might have seen Dion as the MVP. Now, he he got in only four of those games, but the dude in the World Series batted 533. It was eight for 15. Like five stolen bases on top of that.
0: On time, baby.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Can I ask a
3: dumb, I'm too young to remember this person
2: question? No, this is perfect because we have plenty of dumb, I'm too young to remember listeners, and you are the voice of them. And you know what? Take the dumb out. You are the voice. So voice of the generation. Kale, what is your question? So I'm just like, obviously, two sport athletes don't
3: (laughs) exist anymore.
2: How is he playing in the World
3: Series during a football season? October, like... Great it's not question. like he was using summer, you know, as his baseball as his off season, you know. Well,
2: he once played, and I don't remember all the details, but he yeah. once played a game. I think it I think it was uh Atlanta. So it was the baseball game first, day game, and at and the Falcons had a football game at night, got on a helicopter, went, and he also played for the Falcons that night. Two sports in one day. Like yeah. Like, so, so basically he did this a lot where he would just show up for game day in the NFL, like, you know, baseball is an everyday sport. We know football is yeah. one day a week. And he was so good. He was just, a, he was one of the first lockdown corners in that way. So it was just like, yeah, who, am, who am I covering? And it's, that's, oh, Art Monk. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get that guy. Um, Jerry Rice. Yep. Obviously I'm going to shut that guy down. Got but, you him. Know? John Mike, Taylor. Got it. It, it, it was I, a done deal.
3: It's so weird because, like, I believed it when I was a kid so much. I was like, oh, he plays two sports, just like my friends and I do, right? <laughs> That's then,
2: awesome. Yeah. Right?
3: <laughs> totally. <laughs> As a kid, you don't think twice about it. Oh,
2: and then, like, like Brandon? You know, adult, yeah, not really like work, Brandon.
3: <laughs> you now part of my job is covering these teams on a day-in and day-out basis. I'm like, how did he manage? Like, football is a full-time, like, 60-hour-a-week job during this season. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think I think one of the other reasons why we don't see that so often is, you know, not necessarily the rise of social media, but just the in the 24 hour news cycle we have, even just for sports, players would, would, would just get too much criticism. And it's like, well, wait a minute, if you're, if you're over here, it means you're not here. And this team needs you. And, and you're giving that time to this. And then it just opens the door to to all that kind of criticism. And we're just kind of in an era now where that's, that's not necessarily the case. In fact, in the Bo Jackson documentary, he almost Uh, or someone makes the point that like, he's the last guy that you can, you can have these like oral histories of, or, or these stories of like, I once saw Bo Jackson, I I get, he he used a broken bat and he hit the ball off the end of the bat and it still went 575 feet. There's no evidence of it. There's no video. And now, right. We live in an era where everything is recorded and you can't have these kind of mythical or mystical guys that get unnoticed and you know, can't, can't get observed. So, you know, I think Dion was, was, was from that era. So was Bo and they were, they were mythical creatures and you just, you didn't know how they were doing it, but you wanted to go along for the ride and watch it.
0: Um, have something
3: else. Thanks, so again, back to my original question, how was he playing in the world series in the NFL during the same month?
2: Um, Cause football is one it. day a week. And
3: yeah. yeah, like, did he just not go to practice
2: during the world series? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. he, he didn't go to practice okay. during the season either. Yeah. Like he was getting paid. And again, I think that was part of the deal that, you know, that was worked out because uh, I believe he was taken uh, the 10th pick in the 88 drafts um, by the Falcons. And I, I think it was probably worked out like, look, I'm uh, you know, I, I play with the Yankees, you know, he was a minor leaguer, you know, he was still a young guy. And it was just, again, just known like, look, I gotta, I gotta see this out. I gotta do both. And it might not be great for, you know, on the field, you know, and the Falcons, you know, they stunk at that time. It really wasn't until, you know, 92, 93, when they started getting good and they finally, you know, got into the playoffs and, um, and were able to beat the the saints in the first round. But, it 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 brought it brought the falcons a lot more spotlight like no one was a falcons fan unless you were in the atlanta area and right. falcons didn't weren't, weren't a national you know um they weren't a national team like now the nfl is a global brand so yeah you know, it doesn't matter. even the jaguars is like yeah you could just be a jaguar and love the logo and all that um so i think by by being this really intriguing guy that Maybe ESPN does a story on here. Sports Illustrated is writing about, and they go, "Wait, there's a guy doing it for the Falcons and and the Yankees or Atlanta." You know, it, it just brought attention, and so I think it, you know, it it uh, it brought a lot more money in, in into uh, you know the Falcons organization in, in a good way. And he was still getting it done. He was still fantastic. Guy was still a Pro Bowler, lockdown corner cornerback. And you go, well. Does he need to be here? You know, of course, everyone around him certainly would yeah, have benefited from his skills like, and the other.
0: What's he need practice
2: for? <laughs> right. The only thing you could possibly practice. say is eventually, yeah, at a certain point. Much like you were kind of uh, you know talking about in that commercial, Drew is he got to a point where ah, baseball's not my thing, and he would still play it. You know, before the football season would start, and and football became the focus. He goes, all right, well, I need some kind of challenge let me be a wide receiver. And he, and he tried his hand at being a wide receiver and was decent, not great, but he was still decent enough that, you know, he was, you know, when he's on the field, you go crap. All right. All right. What, what, what do we got to do? Like, it just causes, yeah. causes chaos, you know, and and there's guys like that in the NFL now, but it, it's still kind of a rarity and you're almost surprised. You don't see it more where you just got guys with, with great hands, like, like Dion did um, and have that speed. And you say, let's, let's see if we can use them on offense and defense. It's just, I think now in the NFL everything is so you know specified to to one area and and you you need to know a lot more. You can't just show up and go, "Um, hey QB, I'm going to do this route. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pick my own route." And you need to remember the play. Right. I don't think you can just do that now like you could have, you know, 25 years ago.
3: I mean, that happens a lot more often than I think you would realize. It just doesn't happen with big names. Like in sure. the NFL a lot of people change positions like from like a practice squad perspective, especially from college going to the NFL where say they were undersized at a position in oh, yeah. college where their speed made up for it. But when you get to the NFL, like you just can't be a defensive lineman. That's 200 pounds. Like it just right. doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you see guys change position, that type of thing, but it always happens with guys on the low end of the roster, not necessarily a Deion Sanders going, you no, know right. I want to play. I mean, yeah. that'd be a keep to leave all of a sudden being like, you know what? I know we just won the Super Bowl last year. Let's try. And uh, can I try my hand at wide receiver? Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: there's not really many, you know, two sport athletes anymore. There's guys who, again, kind of get on the precipice. You know, uh, we've talked about Russell Wilson. You know, he was a prospect in the Rockies organization. I think it was like a fourth round pick, uh, right. and the Yankees own his rights. So, yet another Rockies player. You know, with the Yankees, uh, you had uh, what was it? Kyle Parker was a was a guy who uh, you know mm-hmm. played football. I think at Oklahoma was a quarterback. I mean, obviously, uh, you, have,
3: you have Kyler Murray. Um, Colin Murray, yep, you know, (laughs) was a top ten pick in both sports, which is crazy. I mean, I guess he's uh, really the only one that is comparable to Dion that his skill set would have warranted it. Yeah, Um, but there's just no like in a modern NFL, especially quarterback, especially quarterback. There's no way they would let anybody do that. They'd say. Um, you're especially a quarterback, they'd go, you're going to go risk injuring yourself in another sport right paying you $25 exactly. million. Dollars. No, like,
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of the big piece. And I think that's where teams go. No, sorry. We, we kind of own you in a lot of ways, you know, for better or worse. Right. Cause it comes with some, uh, you know, it comes with that guaranteed money it comes with that certainty, but you're right. Teams just aren't allowing that. Uh, Tom Glavin, interesting. He got, he was actually selected, uh, in 84, only a couple of picks before Marvin Freeman. He was also drafted by the LA Kings. One of the few kind of two sport guys that had anything to do with hockey. No yeah. one really has ha- ever had anything to do with professional hockey and baseball. Of course our own Larry Walker, but yeah, like right. it's very minimal. E-bug now there's bug. been. e
0: yeah, Larry Walker.
2: Yeah. We, there's actually been a couple guys who did uh, basketball and baseball. Not a lot. Danny Ainge, uh, you know. Yeah. GM of the Celtics, borderline. Well, he's not a borderline Hall of Famer, but he was a very good ball player. Uh, played a little bit with the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, Charlie Ward did. Uh, he did the football to basketball route right, because he was he was a great QB with Florida State. Uh, had a had a solid career with the Knicks. Um, also with basketball, Chris Young, we just named general manager of the Texas oh, yeah. Rangers played a uh, college ball at Princeton. I thought he had gotten drafted by the Kings. Maybe he just got a, uh, he got like a, you know, practice squad kind of deal, uh, before kind of giving that up, um, to, to become a pitcher. But it's so, it's so hard to do. Even, even just like signing with teams in two different sports is like, that's just an echelon you just don't see. And it's like, good for you, dude. You did both.
3: Not that we have to spend a lot of time on this because there's literally a whole ESPN 30 for 30 on the subject. But if we're talking about uh, two sport athletes in Denver history and we're not bringing up John Elway, something's gone wrong because that's the
0: whole reason he ended up in Denver in the first place. But we don't need to go into that because everybody knows that story. Oh, man. In... 1992, Deion Sanders hit over 300. He played 97 baseball games for the Braves and he hit over 300 on base 346 and slugged 495. He also stole 26 bases, hitting eight home runs. That's a WRC plus of 136. He also had three interceptions and played 13 games. Uh, had 105 yards receiving that year for the Atlanta Falcons. Like, what even? What and at uh, and a little bit later, my favorite Deion Sanders set was actually in 1997 for the Cincinnati Reds. He stole 56 bases. Wow. I, I, did he lead the
2: league in triples that year? I know he was a triples machine. Uh, no, 92 he led uh, the league with yeah. 14. But, yeah, I mean, the dude was, you know, obviously crazy fast. That was that was a great poster. I would love to to see that again. I, I've got it somewhere in an attic back in Jersey. Where it was him on first base with Atlanta with with uh, baseball club, and you know turning on his on his back foot to steal second base, and by the time he's halfway to second, he morphs into you know Dion running you know with yeah, the Falcons yeah. uniform yeah. on. So um, yeah. yeah, so so Kale, that yeah. question you're asking, like how did he do both those things at the same time? It actually was that mythical 92 uh, yeah. season October. 11th, Sanders and the Falcons played the Dolphins at Joe Robbie Stadium in Miami. Then he flew to Pittsburgh, so it wasn't a helicopter ride in Atlanta. Flew to Pittsburgh um, for the NLCS, so it was playoffs. Um, that's wow. just bonkers, right?
3: Yeah, that's nuts. Like, I can't even – like. Playoff baseball is just like one of the most mentally taxing things on the planet. Just as is, I can't imagine trying to play another sport at the same time. Like it's so
2: baffling to me. All right, Kale, we'll we'll a couple of football games while you're doing. We'll do a little mini hitting for the cycle here. Now, tell okay. me which of these two things is true. So it's just just a one-off <laughs> question here, Kale. Which of these things is true? Dion Sanders released a rap album, or Deion Sanders hosted Saturday Night Live.
3: Oh, it's the rap
0: album. Drew? I would also assume the rap album. I, w- I feel like I would have remembered a Dion SNL thing. but if I've- Yeah, that's the this thing. The I'm album. like an I SNL bad. guy, and I think I've watched all the
3: ones hosted by famous, like former sports figures, but I don't know. I could be
2: wrong. Kale and Drew, um, as the host of the show, of course it is my purview to Throw you a curveball. The answer is both. So he he had a rap album and then also hosted Saturday Night Live where he performed those songs. Yes. Wait, he was the host yeah. and the musical guest? Yes. Wow. I think there might have been another musical guest. I'm not sure, but he may have quite literally been the first one who ever did that.
0: That could like have been them. one of the two the, things the, in the on his own episode. Wow. The
2: episode was not great. Um, I think it was, <laughs> was it was say. around 94, 95. <laughs> So it was 9495. That was right Ooh. when, you know, um, I, I forget what magazine it was, maybe it was Rolling Stone, and they said it Saturday night dead, because that oh, was, right, I think, right, right. that was when a lot of guys had jumped ship, Mike Myers, yeah. um, Chris Rock, just just Rob Schneider, right. who, you know, was was big on SNL. Yeah. Uh
0: yeah, stuck right.
2: around a little bit, but but again, his buddies weren't there to kind of do his thing. Farley stuck around, Spade stuck around. It was really yeah. just those three guys. And so uh, they, they did some kind of scene where it was, you know, the players all getting in the room. And I think Chris Farley that actually, it's a very good clip. If you could find it, it would be great. I'm pretty sure. Uh, what baseball player do you think Chris Farley was in 94, 95? Oh, oh my gosh. I uh, have no idea. yeah. When I tell you, you're going to go. Yeah. So would I John you Crook. broke up, but I think John you Crook. got it. John Crook. Yes. Yes. <laughs> How bad okay. do you want to okay. see that okay. right okay. now? I'm how bad say. do you want to watch that? Yeah. 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 Oh, God. yeah. That'd, that'd be a good Maybe so that'll yeah. be how we
3: start our show next
2: week. <laughs> the whole skin, we'll I think, got start. crickets. But but it but you go, I don't care. It's Farley, it's not Cr- know who Crocker was.
0: We do. We're gonna enjoy it. We're gonna yes. enjoy it. We'll have it to do that. Next it, it was also go notable week.
2: It was also notable because again. The, the those guys that were in that cast, Norm MacDonald was also there too. And, and we know he's used a wild yeah. card. They just did whatever they want. There was a scene where they're the, you know, uh, I, I think they were like uh, an alien ship had landed and Chris Farley's like, I'll go inside the ship. And as he runs in, his pants literally fall down and his butt's just hanging out. And that's just Farley. But like, that's that's a notable clip where you go, wow. They were they were wild at that point. Uh, and Dion was the host,
3: they musical were. guest. That is that is wild. Um, also, I want to apologize for taking this show so off the rails with my I, one question. Cool.
2: Guess what? Kale, I want to thank you for taking oh. the show off the rails. Thank you. This is why you are the super producer, because you've given us a gift and you haven't even realized it.
0: And the only way to follow up Marvin Freeman was going to be Dion Sanders yeah. on SNL with Chris Parley's Chris Farley's pants falling down. That's the only way. Well what were were we gonna do? Turn around and start talking about the Rockies organizational depth chart again. Come on. Uh, In our pre-production tomorrow. In our pre-production meeting, we actually did want to talk about Chris Farley's
2: pants falling down. We just didn't know how we were gonna get to it. We thought we were gonna go this way. Kale, you took us on a different route, but we still got to our end goal. So, dude, you were great, you're fine.
0: About both (laughs) the destination and the journey. Who knows where we will end up or where we will go on tomorrow's podcast. We do know that the day after that we'll be doing free trade Friday stuff, getting you all those fun, interesting, and potentially strange trade proposals at baseballtradevalues.com. Send us yours if you've got some ideas of your own on how to either make the Rockies a whole lot better or tear them down and make them worse so that they can be better in a couple of years, whatever you got, go there, send it to us. And the only way to do that is to either email us, Drew or Patrick at the com. follow us on social media at Drew Kreisman, at, at DNB. We really want to send trades Kale's way at Kale Sorbo. He'll be a little confused but he'll send them right along to us right after you've done that and you can always hit him up and let him know if you've enjoyed these shows as i've seen so many of you here in the comments we appreciate it and obviously you got to give kale a follow for producing the thing for making it happen so the last thing you got to do subscribe to the dnvr.com you know it's the one place where you're going to get all that written content all the four major sports plus the two college beats plus the rugby situation going on and you get discounts on hats shirts masks when the dnvr bar reopens which sounds like it's going to get to be relatively soon you get a bigger beer when you come hang out with us You get to hang out in the Discord chat, which means then you get real crazy. When do you want to talk about your favorite music, video games, The Mandalorian? Make sure you subscribe to the DNVR Watches podcast feed so you can hang out with us for that and the DNVR Gaming feed. Because I'll tell you what, man, there's only one sport going on right now. The Broncos are having a rough time out there. We're all stuck inside, but we here at DNVR are just blaring content out there at you, and we are happy to hang out with you along the way especially as we get ready for the next nugget season to pop off here too so make sure you're subscribed to dnvr.com because you get all of that just for doing it and we get to call you our friends members of our community and thank you for always being absolutely awesome out there we promise you we will continue to always be absolutely patrick lyons and drew creasman in here and kale Sorbo. wouldn't want to lead you out there super producer and until next time We will see you at the ballpark.